Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. It's Farmer Friday. We'll be taking your calls and questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphd media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Hey, Darren, as we start the show today, a couple of things. First of all, we have been talking a lot on the show this week about just some misconceptions that the general public has about farmers and farming in general. For example, a lot of people want to talk about fertilizer as, oh, it's this bad thing, and fertilizer... Oh boy, aren't they using that in bombs and everything else? And I'm going, what are you even talking about? Do you, like MAP, 11520. This is one of the things you may not know. That's actually used in fire extinguishers to help put fires out, not to start fires or anything else. And the fertilizer that we have out there is tremendous for helping overall plant growth. And as we help overall plant growth, that is a great thing for our environment because the purpose of crops related to environmental benefit is to create more oxygen out there and to utilize, to capture more carbon dioxide. Let's face it, with the exploding world population we have, human beings are putting out all this carbon dioxide, and that's not fantastic for our ozone layer and for the environment and everything else. But the more plants we have and the more productive those plants are, the better off everything is in terms of um, just the environmental footprint and all that. So just one of the things that I I have been trying to stress a lot lately to non-farmers, and especially for you, if you're a farmer, you may hear a lot of negative talk from non-farmers. Well, if you ever have anything where you go, yeah, I'm not sure about that or how best to respond to that or anything else, Email us. Call us. We're more than happy to talk about that stuff. That's great. Part of our job here, we feel, is to arm you with some great facts, some great information, some great talking points, so you can go out to the the rest of the world, even just to your neighbors, and share the great positive message about farming and all the fantastic things that farmers are doing today here in North America and around the world. All right, one other thing that happened just today, uh, a great announcement, was Randy Dowdy. And we've had Randy on the show here many times. We talked about some of the fantastic things that he's done in the past. He just broke the world record for soybean yield once again, 190.23 bushels per acre. It's just outstanding. So we're super, uh, super excited for Randy, really proud of the, the great work that he's doing as a farmer out there. And we're trying to get him on the show here today. I don't think it's going to work real well because we don't have the best cell phone service. But uh, let's, uh, let's see what kind of connection we've got here with Randy, Darren. Randy, first of all, congratulations. Just heard the announcement today. It's fantastic. A new world record. Way to go. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. May God have more. You know, you're absolutely right. It, it takes uh, a lot more than what we can do to have something like that happen. But there were quite a few things that, that uh, you did this year. It wasn't just plant the soybeans, show up uh, a few months later with the combine. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, Randy. Yeah. 
So I mean, there's yeah, a lot. There's, there's a lot of work that goes into this. I, I know our, our cell phone reception's not the greatest here, but uh, you know, when you when you look at it, getting getting a great stand, you talk about a lot with corn. How big a deal is getting a great stand with soybeans? Well, with all crops, I think you need simultaneous emergence, and I think if you buy seed, obviously you want to get the the most bang for the buck. And we've learned that. Um, Simultaneous emergence in beans is, you know, it's just as critical as it is in corn. And singulation in beans are a big deal. You know, actually having beans that are singulated as big in corn is, is equal to or more important in beans. But, you know, the key to it is with beans, especially when, you know, you plant these beans in a variety of conditions. And the key thing is, is to get it up prevent seedling diseases, have an inoculant, have good fungicide, insecticide controls, and try to keep that kind of leading as healthy for as long as possible. David Hula clued me in on this. He's been in the seed business for a long time and seed treatments, and he says, Randy, one thing that you can tell about a quality seed treatment is you'll keep that kind of leading for a longer period of time. And he said, Hello? Yep, yep, nope, you're there. I can still hear you, Randy. So you're talking about keeping that cotyledon healthy. Yeah, so the key is to keep the cotyledon just as, as healthy as possible for as long as you can. And one thing that we saw with, with your bean this year is we kept that cotyledon to like V8, V9. And, you know, that it's still green and viable. And it then started to senesce. And, you know, when you've got other seeds, planted with different seed treatment beside it and they don't stay fertility similar etc what else could you attribute it to so i think the seed treatment played a big role in getting us off to a good start then we had obviously good weather that god blessed us with and that good weather was just copious amounts of sunshine we can't buy that um we were able to mitigate some heat and that drought weather uh, with the irrigation but you know copious amounts of sunlight and, and management that point on sure. Again, uh, we're talking with Randy Dowdy, who just broke the world record for soybeans, 190.23 bushels. Randy, uh, thanks a lot. Really appreciate you calling in today and uh, and uh, wish you the best of luck. Thanks. All right. If you're wondering more what Randy did to get this fantastic yield, we lined up a special deal with RFD TV. And again, just as reported by RFD TV today, Randy Dowdy has broken the world record for soybean yield at 190.23 bushels per acre. But there's going to be a special Rural America Live on Thursday, October 3rd. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks at 7 p.m. Central. Darren and I are actually going to host this. And we're going to talk to Randy for an hour about the things that he's doing on his farm to make higher yields. Again, that's Rural America Live that will air on RFD TV on Thursday, October 3rd at 7 p.m. Central. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Ag PhD Radio. We plant corn in Iowa, spray soybeans in Illinois. We pull calves in Kansas, farrow hogs in Minnesota. We raise rice in Arkansas, rye in Canada, and wheat everywhere in between. We farm millions of acres across North America and build every piece of Case IH equipment. Built by farmers for farmers. Case IH. Rethink productivity. 
you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grayson Next Herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Grayson Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit LeaveTheWeedsToUs.com to learn more about Grayson Next. Always read and follow label directions. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better, built stronger, lasts longer. Learn more at mortonbuildings.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Really excited about Farmer Friday. Lots of stuff starting to happen across North America. Uh, Demid already sent in a little comment. He said, you guys were discussing uh, tillage practices on a recent show. Really appreciated the general discussion. You brought up a lot of points that I hadn't thought about. And you know what, Brian? There are going to be some more guys that are looking at tillage this year, especially with unplanted acres and also with compaction out there. Yeah, tillage is a tool, and it's one of the things we talk about all the time. There are many advantages to tillage. There are also disadvantages to tillage. So you, you got to really weigh these out on your farm. It all depends on your situation and what you are doing for your farm. So we, we, we often say, I don't care if you're conventional till, your no-till, your strip-till, whatever your tillage practice, if you manage it properly in the right situations, you can be super successful. But yes, I agree with you. I think we might see some more tillage in some of those cases. All right, let's get to the phone lines here. We've got Cody with us uh, uh, up in Canada right on the Saskatchewan and Alberta border. Cody, how are you doing today? Not too bad. So what's happening on your farm? Uh, just slowly getting going or getting through on harvest. Um, yeah, it's been, been a late start to harvest up in this neck of the woods. Um, yeah, we probably, we just got some barley chewed off here in the last few days. Uh, didn't have very much in, but, uh, we started wheat here a day or so ago and we got a, got a quarter of wheat off kind of thing and probably another quarter to do and, then probably try some standing oats after that and then get into the canola. So, You know, on the wheat, a lot of guys in northern Minnesota and North Dakota have been talking about falling numbers. Is that an issue in your area too? Well, with with the way wheat's graded in Canada and whatnot, like we've been, we, we've been lucky enough that, you know, we're kind of, you know, fairly early in this area for going on wheat. There's a lot of guys going on canola and everything, um, and still some even trying to do field peas. And um, so it's been pretty good movement for wheat. 
and typically our falling or like our, our grading numbers here and everything, they are looking for protein and, you know, guys, guys, they still do a lot of visual, visual grading more or less. So, you know, falling numbers isn't a real, you know, we don't even really worry about it unless we're trying to, uh, what would you say, get into a different market with it. But yeah, typically with the bread wheats here, they, yeah, they look at it and protein and visual, that kind of deal. But and yeah. you said you didn't, you didn't have much for barley this year. Is it just, there wasn't the market for it or, or what was your reason for not planting more? Well, yeah, like, I guess, you know, barley, like feed barley has been a pretty good price. Like there is a lot of malt grown too, but typically up here we grow a lot of feed barley, you know, because of just, we don't have the conditions or the, you know, it takes a little more different management to grow good malt here. But um, yeah, I just, the way my rotation worked out and, and just, you know, looking over the fence and seeing guys that hadn't grown barley for quite a while, I was, you know, that were putting in quite a bit of barley I thought, well, yeah, no, I'm not going to put as much in or whatever. <laughs> Isn't that funny how <laughs> when you watch what everybody else is doing, you see, man, everybody's doing that. Generally, yeah. the best thing you can do is the opposite. Zig, you zig when everybody else is zagging kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's yeah. interesting. I like that. Now, you said canola is probably uh, yet to come here. So what do you think? Is canola mm-hmm. going to be the best crop this year for you? Well, it's, it's always my most profitable most years. I mean, it's a... Uh, just the genetics now and management and everything, you know, we we can consistently see more, you know, decent yields, whatnot. Like, like when my dad started growing canola rapeseed, even before it became canola back in the God knows the fifties or whatever it was. And till now, I mean, we were happy to see, you know, a 30 bushel canola crop. That was a pretty, pretty decent crop. You'd have, some years you might get a little better, but you know, a lot of times if you're 20, 25 bushel canola, that was about average. And, and I mean, now in my kind of harder farming conditions here, um, you know, if we're not sitting on at least 40 bushels and up, um, we're, we're not really terribly happy with it. So it, you know, it pays the bills. It, it definitely does help. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like growing it. It cleans the ground up like with the herbicide tolerance systems and stuff. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's nice and then I, I I like to grow a few oats as well and it's such a nice fit, you know, you can put oats onto that canola stubble and uh you get a nice clean oat crop kind of thing. So yeah, I love yeah. a lot of the the benefits of uh, what, what farmers in your area are doing with so many different crops and the rotation. And now, like you mentioned, when we get those herbicide-tolerant options out there where you can use some different chemistries that aren't normally being used, we're so effective at controlling weeds. I think for all the people that are worried about these super weeds and everything else, they just need to take a look at what rotation can do and and uh, using some of these chemistries sparingly. It's been been pretty impressive. Well, Cody, uh, yeah. good luck to you here as you all as right. you finish up harvest. Hopefully the weather holds out for you and things turn out great. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate yeah. that. Uh, I got Dan with us right now over in Minnesota. Dan, how's it going today? Oh, good. You know, uh, good. look at uh, the year that we've been getting. It's been an interesting fall already. Have, have you guys managed to avoid some of these uh, heavy, heavy rainfalls uh, the last couple of weeks or are you right in the middle of that too? Uh, you know, a little, a little bit of both, probably. Um, we've had some, you know, we've had some inch and a half, two inches, you know, 
two or you know three inches over a few day period, but uh, seems to kind of be uh, drying out a little bit. It was hard to get that third cutting of hay up, but uh, but other than that, it seems to kind of be starting to at least shape back up a little bit. Yeah, it was a challenging year cutting hay. I know that it seemed, well, everybody always jokes that whenever someone cuts hay, then of course it's going to start raining, but I don't know if it ever really oh, stopped sure. in some of these areas. Yes, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> yep. But but yep. is the market there to justify it? I mean, the, the prices, from what I've heard anyway, have been pretty good for hay. Yeah, hay prices are are decent. We we use most of ours our own for the I guess for the recreational side of life with the with the horses and stuff. But uh, we don't need to sell too much of it ourselves. So so we're 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 okay with what whatever we get. We just hopefully can get it put up dry. Sure, so. sure. Uh, so what else is happening around uh, around your area right now? Uh, you know things are kind of the beans are starting to turn. Um, you know, around our area, those guys that put in those, you know, maybe one, three, one, four, uh, group one beans, uh, they're, they're probably two, three weeks away. Um, ours are just starting to kind of starting to turn. I would say we're, you know, going to be in that mid October range somewhere before we get to beans. So, um, corn, corn kind of depends when you got it in. I've, I've heard there might be some guys, uh, maybe somewhere around us going here in a couple of weeks on corn that was some short season corn, but, uh, the majority of the corn corn was planted here, probably anywhere from fifth, sixth of May to, uh, I know some was planted late as the ninth, 10th of June. So it's kind of, uh, kind of all over the board. So we're, we're probably in the range where we could use another good, mm, probably 175, 180, uh, GDUs to, to get the maturities that, that, uh, we have to, you know, to fully mature. Yeah. It looks like we've got another week and a half, couple of weeks, maybe of good weather. And then who knows after that, what happens, but if we can get that, uh, a lot of this corn is going to make it. You're right. And with all those, um, different planting dates, we had the same thing in our area. We had a little tiny, tiny bit that got in the end of April and then yeah, mid June on some it's, it's going to be a harvest season that's really spread out. But if everything turns out good, that probably won't be bad. We got a lot of tillage to do. Do you have, do you have a lot of compacted areas in your, in your, uh, neighborhood as well? Oh, oh yeah. I think there's more than you would get in a typical year. I know I like, we, we are fortunate enough to have a uh, chicken litter relatively close. And, uh, so we're able to use some chicken litter and I know where I was putting beans, I was actually putting some chicken litter on the, the bean ground as well. And I probably had them out there a couple days earlier than I would have wanted to. And you can still see the tracks where they spread, but, but, you know, that's a kind of a decision you had to make. Had I not done that, I wouldn't have got in and I wouldn't have planned, instead of planning them the 7th of June, it would have been the 15th of June, you know. So uh, so it's kind of one of those, do you know, do you do do it? Do you not? Do you wait? And I guess at this point, uh, other than looking at the tracks, I'm glad I went ahead and did it. So <laughs> Yeah, we're having those same discussions uh, all throughout the year on our farm too. Was it a smart idea or not? But uh, hey, at least we got a crop, that's for sure. Hey, Dan, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, good luck this harvest season. Yeah, thank you. You guys, too. Have a safe harvest. Stay tuned. It's Ag PhD Radio Farmer Friday, and we'll be right back. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus, LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast-acting, broad-spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans, and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. 
Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. If your fertilizers aren't formulated to maximize your efficiency, if you can't mix all the PK and micros your crop needs into one prescription application, if you have to add products to improve and invigorate your soil biology, then you need to expect more from your fertilizer. With AgroLiquid's advanced technology, you can expect more, a lot more. Make the most of your crop nutrition. With AgroLiquid, to find a crop nutrition expert near you, visit agroliquid.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. We didn't get to the moon by accepting that man can't fly. And we sure didn't get the car by settling for the horse. Progress isn't driven by accepting things as they are. It's driven by asking questions. At Indigo, we're working with farmers to question the entire agriculture system to reimagine everything from soil to sale. Yeah, we like the big projects. Go to indigoag.com slash questions to find out more. Indigo, from questions we grow. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday, and we're taking your calls and questions at 844 44 Ag PhD. Let's head down to Missouri. Got Kylie with us right now. Kylie, how's it going today? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? Pretty good. Of course, we're talking with Kylie Epperson right now, Midwest Farm Wives. Uh, Kylie, tell us what's going on with your podcast. Oh, yeah. We, uh, a girl, my friend Whitney and I, we uh, joined forces and created a podcast. Uh, directed at women, farm women, farm wives, and we just kind of share what we do on the farm and how crazy our lives are. And we really built a community of women to follow along and, and you know, just feel like they're not alone. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's awesome. How, how do you find, how do we find it? I guess we've got a lot of listeners today that are looking for just that and looking for a community to be a part of and, and just more information. And they love hearing that other people face a lot of the same challenges uh, that they're facing yeah. on their farms. Uh, you can 
find us on any podcast streaming app, and it is Midwest Farm Wives Podcast. And then uh, we also have Instagram and other social media outlets that you can find. Um, mine is at The Grateful Farm Wife, and my co-host is The Farm Wife Guru. So you can find us there. Excellent. So what's happening on your farm right now? We actually just started harvest on Wednesday, which is really exciting around here. We've had a a really wet year, just like most of the Midwest, but we started in corn harvest. And so far, things are looking really good. Excellent. Excellent. So, you know, as, as you dive into harvest, certainly a stressful time, it's really, really busy on the farm. Uh, I know one thing that, that my wife always talks about is safety. And I would assume you're probably preaching the same message uh, around your farm, trying to keep everybody uh, from getting a little too crazy. Absolutely. I actually wrote a note in my husband's lunchbox today and I signed it with myself and our kids' names and I said, be safe. And so I'm hoping that uh, a note like that or a phone call will remind him to take the extra precautions to stay safe during this crazy, crazy season. I think that will work just fine. No doubt about that. Cause he'll definitely be in the lunchbox a lot today. In fact, uh, it's, it's mid afternoon, but I bet the lunchbox is already empty. I would guess you're right. <laughs> especially if any kids ever get in there. That's the worst thing. When when the kids jump in the combine with you, the first thing they do is raid the lunchbox, and you almost need to have a few extra snacks hidden somewhere. I think my husband takes care of those snacks pretty quickly, but they definitely go for <laughs> dessert first. <laughs> okay, so you got corn on the farm. What else, what else happens on your operation? Do you have livestock as uh, well? Yes, we do. We actually, we also grow soybeans, and then we have a, uh, a hog operation. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting when you get into diversified operations, that's just how Brian and I grew up as well. There are a lot of jobs. You're busy all the time. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're talking about that kind of thing on, on the podcast, uh, how does that work? Are you addressing one topic more so than others? Are you kind of hitting all those things? We find things that we would want to hear uh, as, a, as a farm wife, something that maybe is uh, needing to be said at a certain time. We talked about planting on one podcast. We've talked about uh, cleaning and organizing and getting the wife's side of life ready before harvest starts. So there's no real rhyme or reason, but we um, enjoy just picking random topics and kind of telling our story about it. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we're talking again with Kylie Epperson, uh, who does the Midwest Farm Wives podcast, along with her friend Whitney. Uh, and you can find that, like you said, anywhere uh, where you find podcasts normally. We get a lot of questions from our listeners. Tell us some good podcasts that we can get involved with and, and uh, find community to be a part of. This is certainly a great spot, uh, not just for farm wives, maybe for farmers that want to hear exactly what their wives are thinking and what they're going through. It might be, uh, might be a good reference point too, huh? Surprisingly enough, we have gotten some outreach from men who've said thank you for helping me get a little bit of light on the subject of being a farm wife. So that's been a, a really nice thing as well. Outstanding. Well, Kylie, thank you so much for what you do. Thanks for sharing a little bit about what's going on with your family and your farm. We really appreciate what you're doing for our industry. Thank you very much for having me. You bet. And good luck and stay safe this harvest. Absolutely. Thanks. Let's head out to Ohio right now. We've got Jim on with us. Jim, how are things going in your area? Uh, going pretty good, but everything's late. A little bit of wheat being put in. That's about all. 
You know, Ohio well, was too one much of being done. Oh, I believe it. Ohio was just one of those areas that was hit so hard this year. And I know there's quite a few guys that are doing no-till. Are, are the no, some of the no-tillers kind of stuck to do some tillage too in these unplanted acres? Yes, they're trying to knock the weeds down and keep ahead of the weeds. It seemed like they just keep growing the weeds too. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. This was uh, was a good year for that. Uh, so, so what have you got going on? I hear you've got some issues with volunteer oats. I uh, got some oats seeded pretty early on my prevent plant, and it went to head, and it was wet for me to get out there and do anything with it, and it started turning like it's turning ripe. And so I finally got out there and ripped it up, and now I say I volunteer oats out there, and I want to put that field to wheat. And my neighbor, I was going to say I'll spray it with glyphosate. My neighbor said, that's going to hurt my wheat after I plant yeah, I don't. I don't see that. There's uh, there's virtually no plant back there, so no, I I wouldn't worry about glyphosate at all. Going wait, wait, into the wheat. well, there's not virtually no plant back. There is no plant back restriction, so you could have the wheat seeded in the ground, and the day before that wheat comes up, you could still spray the highest labeled rate of glyphosate you want, and there's zero 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 impact on that wheat. So absolutely no problem if you want to do that, Jim, and go spray as much Roundup legally as you want. You can sure go do it. Well, probably a half rate will take care of that oats. Uh, most likely, yes. Most likely, you are correct. Yep, that's the one advantage that we have with glyphosate still. It's very, very good on a lot of the different grass species out there. Now, I would say on volunteer wheat, it's not as good. Uh, volunteer oats, it's a little bit better, but it's not like foxtail. Literally, with foxtail, you can go out there with eight ounces sometimes, and you can wipe it all out. But with the oats, I'm probably still going to go 16 ounces, maybe even 22. Okay, I was just wondering if he was pulling my leg or what. <laughs> yep, he's pulling your leg, so no, nothing okay. to worry about. He was just trying to get you all in a panic, Jim. But, hey, the good news is yeah. you called in today and uh, you found out the right answer, so you're all fine. <laughs> well, I just don't want to make any stupid mistakes. <laughs> I hear you. That's one thing we talk about all the time is, uh, you know, it's tough enough for all of us as farmers. We don't want to do anything to hurt ourselves. So, no, it's always a good thing to ask. There's never a dumb question or anything like that. But, yeah, Roundup has uh, no activity in that soil once it hits the ground. Our dad always used to say dirt is the antidote for Roundup. Once it hits the ground, it is done. So no worries. You can spray that oats. You can go seed wheat in the next day, and, and it'll be just fine. Well, that's good to know, then. You bet. All right. Thanks, Jim. Okay, really thank appreciate you. it. You bet. Yep. But, uh, Brian, got a question from Nathan that came in. He said, what would Brian and Darren suggest for beginning farmland size in the Midwest? Is 500 acres too small to begin farming on? No, I, you, you can farm on whatever you want. I mean, there are people around the world that start farming on a quarter of an acre. Okay, well, <laughs> so. let's, let's look at it this way, though, Brian. Uh, if you only have 500 acres, you probably can't justify owning a whole fleet of brand new equipment. All depends and on you, what crop. What crop are we talking about here? Well, that's true. If you're right, raising if he was vegetables. Raise, right, if he was going to raise 500 acres of watermelon, he'd be one of the biggest and, farmers in the country. You know, Nathan, that that is one. that's a good point, Brian, because a lot of times we just think, oh, okay, he's raising corn and soybeans and wheat and 
that kind of thing. But yeah, you could look for crops that you could raise on smaller amounts of acres. Oftentimes they require more work, uh, but they have a lot higher profit potential than raising corn or soybeans. So absolutely, if your dream is to raise corn and soybeans, maybe you do that on 450 acres of that. And on 50 acres, you work on, all right, what can I do to make the absolute most money per acre? And how many acres can I handle the workload on uh, to do a lot of that work myself or with maybe one or two people helping me? And you're right, Brian. We go to uh, some different vegetable crops. Maybe you've got a, a stand where you're selling those locally or maybe you're working with a local restaurant or a local grocery store to produce something for them. That could be a good money maker for you and a good way to start even if you don't have many acres. Otherwise, if you're raising corn and soybeans and wheat, you're probably going to have to share some labor and equipment with other farms to make it all work. Hey, Nathan, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. It's Farmer Friday. We'll be right back after this. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid can help you increase yields and crop quality. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. The last thing you want after harvesting your grain is to spoil it before it goes to market. The Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG is a low-cost bin monitoring solution that tracks temperature and humidity and alerts you when conditions exceed safe thresholds. Visit farmshopmfg.com. We started utilizing the dual react system this year. You can adjust your speed and it automatically adjusts your sprayer tips so you can slow down and you aren't building up huge droplets or you can speed up and you're not throwing a mist that's drifting. Hypro, helping you spray better. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. 
Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today on Farmer Friday. Taking your calls and questions all throughout the show at 844 44 Ag PhD. Let's head out to the East Coast. We've got Eric with us in New Jersey. Eric, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you guys making out? We're doing well. We're doing well. Uh, how's uh, how's harvest going for you? You've been chopping some forages lately? Yeah, we did some. Just finished up most of our corn silage here and right now I'm starting to bale some sedang grass. Get that wrapped up. Excellent, excellent. How did the silage turn out for you? Was the tonnage good? Uh, were you thinking you're going to have some pretty high yielding corn out there? Yeah, our tonnage was kind of all over the place. Some was over thirty ton to an acre, and some ground that got hit by the drought a little worse was seven ton to an acre. So oh it pretty much jumped around a little. But all in all, I'd say it was one of our better years. Yeah, that's that's interesting. We just got done with silage on our farm too. We've got a, a neighbor that has a dairy, and and uh, they were chopping some silage on our ground. What what is your normal management practice? And are you putting manure out shortly after that, or do you do you have to wait a while in New Jersey before you do that? Uh, we pretty much put it right out on some of our closer ground right away. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to that too. Uh, I don't know how quickly that's going to happen here. The the dairy we're working with is expanding, and uh, I think they want to get the lagoon cleaned out soon so they can expand that as well. And uh, so, yeah, we got uh, a couple things there going. But uh, as you're doing that, how do you do? Do you do you have it all on your own land? Or are you working with other farmers that you're you're cutting forages from? Uh, we may. Huh. We lease a lot. Of, we try to own a lot of ground, and we also have to lease a lot to have, make sure we have enough forages to feed our animals at the end of the day. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. You know, for us, uh, this this is something we don't do every year. We generally work with them on on manure, but not every year working with uh, with silage off our farm. So, tell me about the Sudan grass. What uh, What do you expect out of that, and and what kind of tonnage do you get there? Uh, we just did some a couple of days ago, and it was running around seven tons. Cause it's this the Sudan grass is on ground where we took wheat off early, so then we spread manure on it for a couple of weeks instead of double cropping beans. Then we put Sudan grass in, so it has plenty of fertilizer there on it. So it's coming off pretty good. Yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of work with uh, sedan grass uh, from a forage side. We had a lot of guys with unplanted acres this year that ended up putting forage crops out, some farmers for the first time in the Midwest. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Any tips on that? Was there is there anything different or any management techniques that you used uh, as you're chopping that? Uh, it's very difficult to try to bail it. There's a lot of issues always getting stuck in the nodders, but for Normally we'll try to take forage in, like chitticow, something in between like 65%. For this, we have to try to get drier 50s, even 40 sometimes, just to be able to handle it easier with balers and things like that. Interesting. Yeah, I I guess, uh, you know, with our corn silage, what are, you, what are you targeting for corn silage for moisture? Or like 67, 68 is what we like to shoot for. Because we put it on uh, to drive over bunk style pit so oh okay 
Okay. Very interesting. Well, Eric, uh, I know you're a busy guy. I really appreciate the call today. Good luck here as, as uh, you wrap up this fall and, and uh, head into the next year. I've got John with us right now in Michigan. John, how are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. Just uh, getting some wheat ground fit. Hopefully we can start planting more wheat next week, at, next week here. And listening to some of your old podcasts here while I'm sitting in the tractor. And heard a comment on some prevent plant ground, uh, trying to control weeds and that, and just got me thinking about our biggest problem here is mayor's sale. Oh, boy. You said and the magic word about, here. Yeah. Uh, I think that's getting to be more and more of the country anymore, too. So, But uh, anyhow, they were talking about mowing that off, you know, to try and head it off before we got into seed production on it and such and i was wondering on it because we did mow off a lot of prevent plant ground this year with that um so we had mayor's tail coming in will that plant come back as if you mow it off will that plant come back in over winter or if we get that mowed off ahead of the seed production is that going to help us keep ahead of this this problem Okay, so John, here's the thing. Whenever we talk about mowing off weeds, in in order to be able to completely kill the weed, we have to mow off every single growing point. Now, with mare's tail, sometimes it's just a winter annual. And if that's the case, any annual weed, uh, and especially a broadleaf weed, it's not like it's super difficult, but you'd have to mow like almost right at the soil surface. And then it's possible that weed may never come back. With uh, grass plants is same kind of thing. If you just mow that off, a lot of times if it's just an annual weed and you have mowed off below the growing point, you're in good shape. The challenge with mare's tail is a couple of things. Number one, it sometimes can be a biennial. If it would happen to be a biennial, then now we've got a problem. It usually isn't, but it's possible that it could be uh, just that there's some growing point down at the soil surface or right below. Uh, but the, the bigger issue is just simply that it's got a lot of growing points. It has so many growing points on it. Now, it's not quite as bad as some other weeds that we deal with, like, let's say, water hemp. But still, we've got to get down pretty low in order to kill it permanently. The goal of any plant out there is always to reproduce. So no matter how hard you hit it, if there is still a growing point that's left, it's going to do everything it can. It might look like a weird, weird plant, but it's still going to try to put on at least a few seeds. So that's our that's our concern. And the reason why we talk so much about mowing with this prevent plant deal is prevent plant quite often the weeds get three or four feet tall well even if you were to spray herbicide out there there's no possible way you can get good coverage and you're never going to kill a four foot tall weed well i shouldn't say never you're rarely going to completely kill a four foot tall weed anyway so we like mowing stuff down now you've got a much better chance to get good spray coverage out there so if it's me and i had great big weeds yeah, I probably would mow it off. And even if I don't completely kill the plant, if I mow it off now and I mow it off again late, uh, you know, how much harm is really going to come from that? Because is the plant still going to put be able to put seed on? No way. And if it's just an annual plant, all we care about is preventing it from going to seed. So yes, you can totally avoid the use of herbicide on those prevent plant acres if you want to, to kill annual weeds by just mowing a couple more times this year and you're done. Okay. 
right. Yeah, that was kind of my thing. I was wondering if we can, if you can get ahead of the feed production, which yep. you probably won't entirely. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's or right. If and you it, can get ahead of it, at least you could, it, you don't have to worry about that same plant next year. Yes. If you've got it coming back, that, if you've got it mowing down. Yep, yep, yep. That that's usually the case. Now the only exception when I start talking about biennials, perennials, or even a winter annual, if you leave at least one growing point, it's possible it can survive the winter. Now it's going to be damaged and it might not survive, but it's possible it could be there yet for next year. And that gets to be our issue with this mare's tail being a winter annual most of the time. So what I instead prefer to do is go mow that off now and then come back in a few weeks and hit that with like a really strong rate of Banvel or 2,4-D. Now, Darren's a pretty big believer in throwing Valor or something along with that, and you can. It just it adds a bunch of cost, but then now that gives you even more residual going into the spring. But I will tell you on our farm, when we used to do a lot of no-tilling, now we switched all our no-till acres to strip-till, we were getting a horrible problem with mare's tail. And we were fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, and we were always fighting it in the spring. And one fall, I just said, Darren, I think here's what we need to do. Let's go out there with a whole quart of Banville. We'll shut the combines off a couple of days, and we will spray in those afternoons. And I'm telling you what, we wiped out mare's tail. It was gone, and we have yet to see much of it come back. So if you get ahead of it like you're talking about and kill it in the fall, man, you're in good shape. And a lot of times you're in good shape for years to come. All right. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate the information. You bet. Good luck, John. Thanks. Bye. All right, we've got a little bit of time yet here today on a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We've been getting we've been getting a lot of email questions in today. We're going to get to those coming up next in the Ag PhD mailbag time. Stay tuned. Bean growers continue to see yield loss from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG soil fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. 
That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. In order to be the best farmer you can be, you've got to have a grain marketing plan. But what do you do when you're too busy out in the fields trying to maximize yield? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are always busy learning more about how to make our farm more successful. That's why we use Grain PhD to learn more about grain marketing and to work with our Grain PhD risk expert to create a complete grain marketing strategy. Visit grainphd.com to learn more about a free consultation for your operation. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio today on Farmer Friday, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Dennis with us down in Nebraska. Now, Dennis, I was in Nebraska this week. I saw my first soybeans being harvested there. How close are you getting on your farm? Oh, well, I think the beans will probably be another. They're getting that tent to them in that another 10 days or two weeks, I'm hoping. that We plant mostly uh, group three and, and four beans, early fours here. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So you're pushing it. That's good. I like it. So you're really going for the yields on that. How about on the corn now? I've heard such up and down numbers through Nebraska. There's some really good corn and there's some that's really suffering too. Yeah, there's good corn out here and then there's, uh, it, 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 it isn't consistent. I was, we got one quarter picked and got another 80 picked and I'd say we're about 10, 15 bushels down from what we thought it'd be. We just got, we, our CECs, we got tight clay soils here from 20 to 24 and then terraces and we just had in the foreground it was just poor crops poor corn in that in the tops and on the ridges we just rolled out good but then i mean there's 50 60 bushel difference you know variance out here in the fields that hurts a lot and i Oh, I'm sorry, Dennis. I, I you cut out there for just a second. Uh, you were saying how what a difference there was up on the terraces versus down in the low ground. Right, the the, the terrace channels and on your clay soils where your CECs higher than that. And that's where we got hurt real bad out here. We're kind of in a hillier train here with the you know tile terraces and all that. And so, uh, but uh, I'm happy with it. It's uh, I call in southeast Nebraska. Uh, an average to uh, it ain't going to be nothing like last year's crop for the last two years, but uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, not to get you by. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's that's for sure. You know, when we think about 2019, Nebraska started off pretty tough uh, in March, and all the negative news is coming from there. Then it got looking pretty good. You guys dried out, didn't you? Kind of late in the season. Was that the difference? Yeah, we had uh, in the month of July. Uh, we had about an inch and a half there, you know, and you just, and some heat. We had some pretty good heat in there. And that hurt us some. We had some tipping back. 
these farms were at up north, they had about two inches more rain. It's better corn than what we were getting back home there and stuff like that, too. But uh, it just, uh, I just, uh, USDA, I just can't, I, I don't know where they're coming from. This, I hope we get the honest answer by January. Yeah, I, I have kind of questioned some of those numbers as well. And, and I know we talked to some guys that say, wow, we're going to have just great yields in our area. It's just it's just tough. It's not all over. Well, hey, Dennis, uh, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate talking to you today. Uh, good luck here. I'd love to hear from you when you get into those soybeans. If uh, if you see anything that surprises you on the good side, that'd be great to hear. Okay, because we – thank you. We had all our beans in real early, so I'm kind of hoping we get a good bean crop out of it. Yeah, yeah, I am too. Well, good luck to you, Dennis. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Brian. As you drive across Nebraska, and I know you and I have both spent some time there uh, this month looking at crops, and there are some areas there that are really fantastic, and and then there's other areas like Dennis is talking about down in the southeast corner of the state that uh, we thought they were going to be really really good, and then we just had uh, too much hot and dry in the middle of the year, and too much variable soil, and that kind of brings us to our next question. Nate from Colorado says, "I was just wondering." Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! You want to get into Ag PhD mailbag? Come on. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right. That makes Brian feel better when he gets to hear that. Okay. uh, Nate from Colorado says, I was just wondering, have you guys ever used EC maps on your operation? I'm using them to help me choose points for zone sampling as well as building my seed fertility and irrigation recs. Yeah. Electroconductivity. Yes, we have. But honestly, you can see... About the same thing by just looking at your yield map. It's it's not like it's that big a deal. And let me take this one step further. Is even that good enough? I don't think it is. We're doing some work all the way down to one acre grids. And right away when you hear that, you go, oh, no, it's too expensive and it's too much work and everything else. It costs $16 an acre. I'm not going to do it every year. So is it really that bad? I don't think so. We're spending $100 to $200 an acre on fertilizer to spend 16 occasionally to help us really fine-tune our fertilizer program? Is it that bad? I just don't think it is. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Just take, let's say, half a field and go on five-acre grids or even 10-acre grids and then do the other half at one-acre grids and just see what you see for variance out there. And if you start identifying some areas where you go, whoa, there's a lot of variance right here, great. Now you learned that and now over time, you can equalize a lot of these things. And let me phrase it this way. If you do tiny grids or tiny zones to begin with, after a couple, three times of doing that, hopefully you will if you will have evened out your soil and you don't need to have small grids anymore. But for at least a little bit, I would absolutely take a look at that. And that's taking it a step further than the EC maps. And that's what I would suggest you do. Hey, thanks, Nate. Really appreciate that question. I got one from Linda here, Brian, and she wants us to settle a little debate that she's having with her husband. They've had an issue with Johnson grass, and they, they've got a dairy farm. They're chopping some corn for silage, and guess what they see when they chop the corn off? Johnson grass out there. And she said, I really want to take care of this. My husband wants to disc it. I want to spray it with Roundup first before he does any tillage because I'm worried if he cuts those rhizomes, we're going to get many new plants. Yep, you're right. What would your best recommendation be? You're right, but here's the problem. Is it Roundup resistant? Doesn't appear to be so. They have not been using Roundup. Okay, so if I could go kill it with Roundup, that's absolutely what I would do. I'd use the highest labeled rate. Here's an alternative. If it's fall, what would be wrong with going out with a super high rate of clethodim, Darren? 
What do you think about that? Well, you Highest could. I, I just think with perennial weeds like that, if you can get down in the rhizomes, that's good. Now, the other question- well, wait, that, wait, wait. That, what I, where, where I'm going with this is if it's Roundup resistant. Yes, Roundup's my first choice, but I'm just trying to say, let's say that you do spray Roundup and it doesn't work. What's your next alternative? To me, if it's fall anyway, I'd use clethodim. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I guess the other thing is uh, with the Roundup, let's just, let's just say that we go with Roundup and you allow some time for that to get down through the plant. How soon could they do some disking out there if they needed to do some a heavy later. tillage? I'd wait a week. Yeah, I, I, it depends on what kind of weather you're getting. If right, the weather's right. warm and things are actively growing, uh, I think a week is fine. If you wait two weeks, that would be wonderful if you could. Uh, I'd wait as long as you can. Yes. That, that gives the Roundup more time to get through that whole system before you chop those roots up. But, Linda, I'm going to side with you at the risk of uh, creating some issues in your household. I think you're right on this one. And uh, spray the Roundup, like Brian said, use the highest labeled rate and then get out there and do your tillage after a couple of weeks. Really appreciate that question and hope that helps for you guys. Okay, I had a couple things on gibberellic acid. Uh, I got one comment. Uh, hey, just wanted you to know we used gibberellic acid on fall-planted artichokes uh, that overwintered, and we harvested this spring in Texas. We treated at five-leaf and seven-leaf stage, and we saw almost overnight growth improvement. The treated field had overall yield increase and earlier harvest. With this non-uniform plant and growth, it also helps to make harvest more uniform. So we're really happy with using gibberellic acid in artichokes. Hey, thanks for sharing that. We really appreciate that. And then another question came in from Rick, who said, I hear you talking about gibberellic acid. How can I inhibit gibberellic acid? Because I want to shorten internodes in corn and soybeans. Uh, I, I get, have a heirloom variety of corn that gets crazy tall and is very susceptible to wind damage. Well, thanks, Rick. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, you know, we haven't we haven't necessarily tried inhibiting gibberellic acid, but we've tried some other practices to try to shorten internodes. We've tried earlier planting, so it's cooler and you get a little bit less growth that way. Uh, we've also tried not feeding so much nitrogen early for a lot of the guys with. Um, Heavy soils, they like to put all the N out there early. Uh, if you're in that boat too, I think when we've got so much fertility early, we see a little bit more growth than when we kind of spoon feed that fertility out or try to place it in a few different spots later. But yeah, we're working on the same thing. We want to shorten things up on our farm too. And uh, we're still experimenting on that, trying to find the best mix of practices to do just that. Hey, Rick, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Uh, before we go today, I want to remind you again uh, about a special event coming up. Randy Dowdy, uh, who farms in Georgia, has broken the world record for soybean production, 190.23 bushel soybeans. Just fantastic. So happy for him and his family. Uh, Randy's going to be talking about this and how he did it coming up on a special Rural America Live at 7 p.m. Central Time on Thursday, October 3rd, airing on RFD TV. Brian and I have been asked to host that show. Uh, we're going to be talking to Randy and uh, discussing all the, the practices that he uses to get higher yields and to make more money on the farm. So again, that's Real America Live, 7 p.m. Central, Thursday, October 3rd on RFD-TV. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more.